Big news out of Winnipeg and some special honors for some special people. You don't want to miss this week's episode of the Indie Bar Report podcast. Hey, all right, we are back again. Episode number 211 of the Indie Bar Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will. And uh, admittedly, it's a little later of a week this week. It is, it is. But you know what? To, to be honest with you, Nick, I think that uh, we're almost kind of due for one, considering the fact that I mean, we, have, we have reviewed like every possible thing in existence from the past year. And uh, uh, we're making do with the off season, but, you know, Unfortunately, back to the off-season grind as the weather starts to warm up a touch a little bit. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's been getting the 50s around here, so that's positive, certainly. And, I mean, we managed to get through nearly the whole off-season before we really got to uh, really a light week. You know, I mean, why we have, like, two or three others in the whole course of the off-season, and now we're about a month away from Atlantic League opening day. So we're about, what, two, three weeks away from doing that preview. So, I mean, all things considered... It really, you know, it really isn't that bad. Like No, it's not bad. Exactly. So it's, it's going to happen, and uh, you just kind of got to run with it and roll with it, and uh, that's what we're doing this week. So no promises on how long this episode's going to be. I can't imagine it'll be that long, but we're going to make do with what we have, and what we have uh, is, you know, a decent little bit of news out of the American Association and uh, some stuff out of the Atlantic League and then some other more uh i guess secondary leagues is one way of phrasing it for them and we'll go through all of it and we'll start with the american association because they have a new uh, preferred partner i called it a partnership it's really more or less that it's a preferred partner it's wording difference but in theory it's it's basically the same thing i suppose uh either way it's with paramount not the big media company not that paramount uh, this is a different Paramount that works with um, mainly uh, major events, sporting groups. Uh, they list uh, the Power Five NCAA conferences, done things with each of the major four leagues in North America, so NHL, MLB, uh, NFL, and NBA, done work with all of them. So certainly uh, experience working with these larger groups. They've worked with them in the past. And what Paramount does is they help with brandings, graphics, event creation, uh, facility openings, projects of that nature. That's kind of their shtick. They are kind of brand builders in a way. So they're now the preferred partner of the American Association. Admittedly, we normally wouldn't really spend much time on this just because, you know, there's not really much there. But I suppose it is uh, worthy of at least looking at this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that any time that a independent league can get any sort of assistance and whatever with people that uh, that their job is to build is to build brands, I think that's a good thing. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know, still a hundred percent of like the the I guess the thought process behind it, but I think that uh, any time that a league can, and, and not that the American Association has necessarily had this problem because they've been quite good at it Mm. uh especially compared to the other other indie ball leagues when it comes to you know growing their brand and expanding their their footprint and i'm not talking like physically uh i think that 
you know, anytime that a league can get any sort of assistance for that and partnership, I think it's, I, I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when it comes from a group that is exper- as experienced as Paramount is. Uh, they also mentioned expansion in there, so I assume that kind of means they help with like the identity creation for something like, say, the Lake Country yeah. uh, dock hounds there. They help mm-hmm. with building that out, which is nice to see also some variety. Normally, in minor league sports, you see a lot of, oh, as a Brandios, I believe is the company, that they normally do a lot of that work, so you have something where Paramount is helping with that, and realistically if you look at the branding over the past uh, couple of years with the american association and since really the rebrand it's been very clean very i don't want to say professional looking because that kind of demeans the league a little bit especially in the past but it looks very much like one of those major four leagues it looks kind of just the way it should be and that's a one way of putting, it, I guess, uh, you know, it just it looks in place with what you'd expect out of a professional sports league. They take it seriously, so that's definitely a positive, something I definitely like. And it seems like uh, the partnership or preferred partner has helped out a lot. And perhaps it's less of them doing work for the American Association and more or less like, hey, it's a uh, you know, it's just something to co-brand with. It could even be something like that. But yeah, I mean, it definitely is a positive, I, I think. I don't think there's any way it could really be a negative. I mean, it's pretty much a middle-of-the-road thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, you're, you're right when you say that, again, the American Association, as I mentioned, has done a, has done a really good job with this, especially compared yeah. to the uh, other indie ball leagues. So would you think that it would continue to grow and get better as well? Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing I have left before we move on to the next piece of news really is uh, you wonder if the Atlantic League's in need of a rebrand or something of that nature, because they're really the only ones that kind of kept that original logo. The Frontier League's moved on from theirs. Uh, and, and next to like no and, and like very few like original teams or teams that have been around for a while. Like the league is so different. Exactly. Yeah. And it just feels like two. And, like, I obviously have some nostalgia for the brand as it is, but you almost feel like it's time to refresh that logo because it's been around for, what, about 25 years now. It, yeah. it kind of is like, okay, let's, let's bring it into the 21st century. Let's, let's get a, a little bit more modernized. You can keep some of the old elements there and you can even use the current logo and maybe some throwback, uh, or retro brands or promotions or things like that. But, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have a uh, a new-looking logo and brand, right? Not at all. I, I think, in fact, I would, in, I'd go further to say that it wouldn't hurt as to, and I honestly go as far as to say is that something that they that they should really look into and probably should do just because, I, I mean, there's there's one original team left. I think it's got to move. It's got to become more modern for one. And I know we've said that a lot about them, but I think that it needs to become the logo's got to become, um, I guess, more modernized and just the branding in general has to get better. But I think, yes, it is definitely time for a change. Uh, certainly we've seen like a lot of other leagues, like, like for example, like the Atlantic league still hasn't like done a remake of their website, the way the American association, the frontier league has. Mm. It makes a difference. Uh, it, it, it makes a difference. So I think that that's definitely something that they should look into and, and do. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely 
yeah the the branding on the website and things like that those are just kind of minor things that are you know they're important and it's something they just never really did so you know i don't want to rag on them too much it really isn't an atlantic league segment yet so but yeah like that is that's definitely something there which a fun little thing i noticed when i was going through and trying to find news for the week quebec redid their website kind of nice now i kind of like it agree i think that again it goes back to just making it making it easy to navigate as well and website itself looks a lot cleaner a lot a lot smoother uh more organized too so certainly definitely and so with that we'll switch to the other piece of uh american association news it's more or less winnipeg news but it does involve one of the real greats of the american association and uh, but essentially, Winnipeg announced that they were having their promotional schedule coming out, and there was one uh, real major standout event on the calendar this year in Winnipeg, and that is on August 11th, Reggie Abercrombie will have his number 11 retired by the Gold Eyes. Uh, Abercrombie played in Winnipeg for about six seasons from 2014 to 2019. He is the team's all-time home run, RBI, and runs scored leader. Uh, in case you're wondering what those numbers are, it would be uh, 92 home runs, 393 RBIs, and 371 runs scored. He's also the Atlantic League's games played leader, home uh, hits leader, home run leader, RBI leader, and runs scored leader. Uh, those numbers, in case, again, you're wondering, are uh, 781 games played, 936 hits, 146 home runs, uh, 606 RBIs and 563 runs scored in case you're wondering about that and the final real major uh, accomplishment among the Reggie Abercrombie legacy and Winnipeg is he was part of the back-to-back championships they won in 2016 and 2017 a large chunk of that and in case you wanted to attend the first thousand fans in attendance get a bobblehead too so uh, that's obviously the important part of all of this is the bobblehead not the, the fact that they're oh. honoring one of the best players in franchise history but you know there's that's there too yeah i think it, it's really cool because uh, reggie abercrombie was such such a great player for uh for winnipeg for a few years and you know of course nick laid out those statistical accolades as well uh but i think it's it's really cool, especially I think from in a time, I guess with Winnipeg that I'll, I'll call it a lot of change. Um, there, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of change going, going through through Winnipeg right now. Of course, you know, Rick Forney's out there now, Greg Taggart's in. Um, I, I think that it, it's important, especially, especially at this, at this time to kind of, uh, honor your past, make a big deal about it as well, because I mean, Abercrombie certainly is, is deserving of that. And a Jersey retirement ceremony thrown in bobbleheads, you'd think that that would certainly get people out to the ballpark, uh, in, in Winnipeg that night. And yeah, it just sounds like a, a really cool event. Well done. Well, actually I won't say well done yet because it hasn't been done yet. Uh, but I think that it sounds like a really, really great idea that, um, in just a good way to honor, like you said, Nick, one of the uh, greatest players in franchise history, probably the best. So, uh, and, you know, Jersey retirement, making sure nobody wears his number ever again. And you get a bunch of other promotional stuff too. Like the bobbleheads is cool. So I, I think that, uh, I, I think it's, it, it's a cool idea. I hope it's well executed uh, because certainly a guy like Reggie Abercrombie like, really, really deserves it with the career he had there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he deserve is definitely the right word to use. The guy did an awful lot for baseball in Winnipeg, and no one's going to question the accolades there and the honors that he gets. That, that much is for certain. The only thing I'm concerned about is I've seen these jersey retirements done before, and the one concern I always have is you can never guarantee an audience, and it's always awkward when there's not a huge crowd in attendance and they're doing it. I've seen two of these. One was in Sussex County. The other one was in New Jersey. Sussex County didn't announce it beforehand. They just kind of did it at the game when they knew there'd be a big attendance number. I believe it was a Saturday night game towards the end of the year. It's done very well. The flip side with New Jersey, they announced it in advance and there was nobody there. There was maybe a couple hundred people in the ballpark. It was for Isaac Pavlik and it just felt very awkward. It felt very forced. It felt, you know, it felt very uncomfortable because you have something that's clearly important to the guy. Then they put on a pretty decent, you know, ceremony. They had the other guys who had the numbers retired. They brought out the guys that he played with, you know, the whole night. Very nicely done. It's just there was maybe a couple hundred people in the ballpark and it just felt so deflating that you have this guy who has like a pretty important moment for him doing all of this and making this speech and everything in front of a mostly empty ballpark and it just felt really I don't know it just it didn't feel right and that's the only concern I have now I don't think that'll be an issue in Winnipeg it seems like Winnipeg really does support baseball obviously uh, Shaw Park is considerably nicer than Yogi Berra Stadium as well so that helps uh, just on day-to-day attendance that's that's obviously something that's got to be considered as well and also i think uh as far as just the culture in general i think it'll work better so that won't be as much of a concern but it is still the one thing i'm worried about with the whole thing is that there's just not going to be enough people at the ballpark and i hope that's not the case yeah i i, to- I totally understand uh where you're coming from and that you know that point of of, of, of isaac pavlik's well taken as well because uh, you know, a guy that, that gave so much to the to, to the Jackals won a lot there, had great success in big in big games. Like you want that that guy to have a proper uh, a proper ceremony. Um, the problem, of course, it, it, and listen, I think the important distinction to draw here is that is that you know Winnipeg is is a great baseball market uh, when it when it comes to independent leagues, they have a great fan base, nice ballpark, all of the all the whole nine yards. And so I wouldn't necessarily. I don't think that's going to be an issue uh, in in Winnipeg, especially for a player like Abercrombie. And I, I just think, yeah, I just think the Winnipeg, you know, that organizational that that, that organization for one, uh, and and you know the fan base and everything surrounding it is it's just you know so much above like the, what the New Jersey Jackals were. It, it kind of feels weird saying when they were at Yogi Berra Stadium. That's kind of odd, but uh, yeah. but when they were. Uh, of course, at, at Yogi Berra. So I, I think that um, it's not something I think is going to. I think is going to be an issue, but certainly understand the point because hey, in, in any sort of uh, that is a risk when when there's any sort of jersey retirements in, in independent league baseball. Uh, but you know, you hope it's done right. Uh, certainly, putting it out how many months in advance? Like five. Yeah, like about five that, months? yeah. Like about like a little under four, or like yeah, about yeah. four and a half, yeah. 
four and a half months advance. So I, I would think that it's going to be done well and done right. And I think Winnipeg will, will do him justice. Yeah, I definitely, I have no concerns about Winnipeg handling it. And I just hope the city, uh, the city shows up for him. The fans show up for him. That's certainly. Uh, Although I do think, I do think the bobblehead aspect of it is really smart. Yeah. Because, because, you know, as much as, you know, like guy like, baseball and independently baseball nerds like will thompson and nick firestone might be excited <laughs> for their jersey retirement of Reggie yeah. reggie Abercrombie. i don't know about everybody else but you know what they are excited for is people is bobblehead nights so uh that way you can you, you like if, if there's if there's like a few hundred people at a bobblehead night then something went terribly wrong you know what i'm saying yeah that's, that's very true there so i mean that's a great actually a fantastic point you make where the bobblehead promotion brings in people in and of itself so that that is actually a fantastic point to make. That does yeah. that will definitely help. So, uh, but yeah, so good for Reggie. Happy for him. Uh, with that, we will go over to the Atlantic League. Uh, they have their own way of honoring players, and that's their 25th anniversary team, their silver anniversary team. And last week we mentioned that one player came out. We didn't have the notes written, so we're just gonna push them to the next week. So we have that player, and we also have. The player that was announced on Thursday as well. So let's start with the guy from what would be about a week ago or two weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, with that being Jim Ed Warden, he is the seventh addition to the team. He is a relief pitcher or was a relief pitcher. I uh, spent his whole career with the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. That is 2009 to 2014. He was a first team postseason All-Star in 2010, 2011, and 2013 with just a regular All-Star in 13 and 14. He is second all-time in saves with 134 saves, sixth in appearances with 284, and he is the sixth man on the totem pole for all-time reliever ERA at a 277 ERA, and he had 252 strikeouts in just about 300 innings pitched, 200. And 98.2 to be exact. So a solid relief pitcher. A guy that, quite frankly, I didn't even really know about, which is kind of weird because most of these other guys I've at least heard of or, or been fairly familiar with. This is one that I had not heard of. And, you know, he does seem like he's fitting, but he also seems like he's the weakest entry so far. Yeah, but I mean, so like, how many players? Is this like eight or nine now? I think. But uh, we're at eight now. Eight. Right? Once okay. we talk about the the next guy. Yeah, so I, I think weakest entry. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. Maybe Tim Kane is in that as well, just because you know he obviously he his selection I think was more longevity based than I suppose. Uh, so I, I think that uh, I, I think that. He might, while well, he is like, the, and to be honest with you, I, I honestly had never heard either. So, uh, but then again, he, he did play a pretty long time ago. Uh, but hey, when you look at the numbers, like it, it makes sense because you can kind of put him on that pedestal with like a guy, with, with like a guy like John Hunton, for example, mm -hmm. with, with, with Somerset. And I'm sure John Hunton will hear his name called on this team at some point. Uh, he has to, but I think when it comes to, and if he doesn't, <laughs> the, yeah, he, he will. Um, if uh but i think you know ed warden is 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 there is right in that in that conversation as well probably not john hunton but in that in that in that ballpark also so i think it was good to you know see see a guy like him honored and i think as far i'm 
I definitely do think it was. I wonder if the league's trying to like stagger like the 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 no brainers. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's part of it too, because like the no brainer ones are probably your more like you know you're more well known, you're more publicized guys, the guys that have a lot more fanfare around them. So yeah. do you really want to roll like Daryl Thompson, Lou Ford? Uh, and all of those guys, like one after another, after another, after another, or would yeah. you rather like go, okay, every like four or five, we're going to drop one in there because what, uh, really the closest to the no brainers was what Ray and, uh, Nettles as the two. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the next guy we're about to talk about is, oh, um, uh, Glenn Murray too. Glenn. Yeah. Glenn Murray too. Yeah. Um, although he has a little bit less fanfare around him than the other two. He is the home run king, but yeah, but true, I, know yeah. What you mean. I know what you mean, though. Just wait, if Courtney Hawkins ever, ever comes back from Japan, he'll take that title. <laughs> of course, Courtney Hawkins, if, uh, yeah, Courtney Hawkins would set some freaking records. Like, yeah. well, I mean, like, all-time records. If he if he were to come back to the Atlantic League, I don't, I don't know if he will, but we'll... we'll, we'll he probably speak. won't, which, fun little, friend. yeah, yeah. fun little side fact about that. Apparently, the particular uh, part of MPB that he's in yeah, they do live stream games with a, I think a YouTube on YouTube, uh, with an English uh, subcast. Oh, yeah, that's nice. yeah. So I think it's the Pacific League, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, so if you go over there, you can watch those games. Now they're at like twelve o'clock in the morning, sometimes five o'clock in the morning. So you know, if you want to stay up for that, go for it. But you know. The option is there. We're not. We're not telling you whether to or whether not to do it. We're just presenting the option and the information. If that's a decision you choose to make. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's a choice there. But yeah, as far as uh, warding goes, I, I'd agree he's so deserving. Like I, when I say he's the least or the most borderline so far, I think it's more just because with relievers, they're never really going to have the gaudy numbers because you know you're not pitching that often. You're pitching like one, two, three innings at a clip, and you're only doing that like two, maybe three times a week. So. It's, it's hard to really kind of rack up those numbers. Although the reliever ERA thing is kind of the most impressive thing to me. To have be a reliever that pitched 300 innings and still be under three. And that's pretty damn impressive here. And the saves is pretty good too. I mean, like, you know, over 130 saves in like six seasons is pretty impressive. He was a saves leader a handful of times as well. So it's not that he's undeserving. It's just that, you know, as opposed to some of the other guys, especially the next guy that we're going to talk about, it's just the numbers aren't as like eye-popping. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But you know, that's that's the case with most relievers, to be honest with you, as you as you mentioned. Uh, so still think still think uh, that deserving though, and a uh, guy that was clearly one of the statistically one of the best relievers that, uh, or I guess reliever that has been that spent significant time in the Atlantic League, uh, certainly right up there with with the best of them. Absolutely there. And so with that, we go to the second addition to the team, or I guess now technically the eighth overall, the second one we will discuss, which came out uh, this past Thursday, and that is Josh Presley. He is the eighth, got eighth man. He was a first baseman. He played for both Somerset and Sugarland. in the case of Somerset from 07 to 2011, and then in Sugarland from 2012 to 2013, a four-time consecutive All-Star, 08 through 11. He was also the 2008 Player of the Year, a two-time Atlantic League champion, both 08 and 09. We could see where his prime really was. He finished fifth. In home runs all time, that 124, sixth all time in RBIs at 505, 
eighth in extra base hits with 289 and ninth in doubles with 163 of them. He will join the team alongside Mike Guyfoyle, Tim Kaine, Glenn Murray, Jeff Nettles, Lincoln Michelson, Ray Neverett, and Jim Edwarden, as we just mentioned him. Pretty well deserving. I'll let the Somerset guy lead this discussion because I'm sure he's very familiar with Josh Presley. Well, well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate you giving me that 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 opportunity because <laughs> I love Josh Presley. It, a complete no brainer on on this list, of course. But you know, as as the the Somerset guy, I do have to say that as far as any independent league like baseball league or player goes, like team or whatever goes, like the, my first love was Josh Presley. Like yeah. he was the first, like the first, like the uh, superstar player. player. That yeah, the indie ball player that I like watched and like I really became to love. Like, and he was um, certainly I was a lot younger back then, that, a lot younger than I am now. But I, I think that uh, Josh Presley just so, what a great career and so many huge moments in Somerset. It, it, the most remarkable part I think was just how unbelievably consistent he was for that that length of time. I mean, uh, in the time that he played in uh, in was that like seven years i guess that he was in about uh, that in, in, in remarkable consistency josh presley showed and just a, a guy that sh- always showed up in big games uh had so many huge moments um and yeah so, certainly a player that is near and dear to my heart because he is uh yeah what what a player he was and uh and i know so many and people plenty of people in somerset still know still know him even though the, they're not even in the league anymore not even an indie ball team anymore so uh yeah very well deserving great player uh and yeah a complete uh no-brainer for for this list and just a, a terrific player yeah, I mean, the, the most impressive part about him is that 2008 season uh, where he hits, what, 30 home runs over 100 RBIs. Yeah. A batting average of over 350, on base over 440, slugging over 600. I mean, that those are just incredible numbers, especially in a time where the Atlantic League really is undisputedly the best of the independent leagues, one where you really do have a lot of, like, high-level former major league talent. I mean, even at this point, what? Presley was not far removed from being a triple-A player. No, so, not at all. Yeah, like, what, about two years or so, three years or so away from it? So he was still a very high-level ball player at that point. So he really kind of owned that uh, owned that, and showed that. And it's kind of surprising that after a year like that, like I understand he's a 28-year-old, and perhaps more... If he played 10 years later, he would have had, but he never really got another chance after that. And it's kind of surprising to me that a guy puts up those kinds of numbers doesn't really even get another look. Uh, but, you know, again, I guess it's just more or less a time period where, you know, it's not really viewed the same way as it would become viewed at. So, it, sure. yeah. A guy, like a, guy, a guy like that, I think now, with those kind of numbers now, I think the odds of him not getting picked up are pretty are, are pretty slim unless I don't know you're like a, a 35 year old first base DH type, but I, I think a guy like Presley now would definitely be picked up. Oh yeah, like that's just I can't see a world where he doesn't at least get picked up and put in Double A as a well. Let's see what can happen here, and if you continue to do well, I mean, like at the very least, I could see maybe getting something there. 
I mean, 28, who knows? But even still, like I said, I, I just, it's kind of weird to me to never see that. And also keep in mind, too, he played 133 games that year. And it probably would have been, what, about 140 game season? 146 game? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. uh, the, those, those numbers could have even, you know, been more. And that, that you're right, Nick, because that was the time where the Atlantic League was, was the talent was, undis- was definitely there, undisputedly there. Uh, indisputably there, but yeah, I I think that uh, while the talent was there, the recognition I think at the time was not. Uh, but in could have hurt a player like in Presley's ability to get back, but I mean, but you know, he never let that bother. I mean, continued to just play play every day and uh, and just put up monster, monster stat lines after monster stat lines like year to year in Somerset. It was incredible, it really was. And what's kind of even crazier to me is like. When you go and you look at all the, uh, like some of the names from the batting leaders that year, because if you go to baseball reference, they have it all. You see a bunch of bolded names, which for those that aren't familiar with baseball reference means if your name's bolded, you had time in the major leagues. Of the top 20 in the batting, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The top 20 were all major league caliber guys. And Josh Presley comes in in fourth. He had the most games played out of anyone in the top five. Actually, besides uh, Ramon Castro. Yes, the Mets' Ramon Castro. Uh, he's the only one there that has 100 or more games played. And you just see he's sandwiched with all of these major leaguers. So it's really kind of crazy to think that in the top 10, all but four guys had uh, major league surface time. And Presley was by far the... Uh, the far yeah. and away leader and he played the third most games or tied for third most games out of any of the uh atlantic league batters that year so you know kind of just kind of insane when you think about it yeah really insane and then again it, it shows you you wonder what could have happened but you know what well, would have happened is he wouldn't have put up the monster numbers career-wise in the atlantic league that he did uh so you know for our purposes yeah, yeah know, that's it's more of a true. no-brainer on this team yeah, absolutely, definitely, and uh, yeah. So that is that is the eighth member of the team. I'm sure we'll get the ninth one next week, and we will continue trugging along as we go through all these names and as we get the team ready for, I guess, the start of the season. So, on that note, we have two other really minor things left, and then we'll be done for the week. Yeah, it's a short week, but we warned you a half hour ago that it would be. Uh. Empire League has a tryout. It's kind of a multi-league tryout because there are going to be coaches from other leagues in attendance, but it is mainly for the Empire League. April 5th and 6th at People's Bank Park, so about two weeks from now. Uh, if you're interested in playing, go over there. We're adding it to the tryout list. We have a tryout list on the website, by the way, anyballport.com. Go to the Articles tab. Uh, we're trying to keep it up to date. It's essentially, we throw a little blurb about each tryout in there and give you the basic information on it and then a link to the registration page. So uh, it kind of keeps everything in one place, makes it kind of easy, makes it a good jumping off point if you're looking to get into independent league ball. Uh, so there's that for the Empire tryout. <clears throat> and then we have some Maverick League news. I don't think you probably you have anything really to say about a tryout because try out the tryout, but if you do, go for it, Will. I think the only thing as, as far as that I would mention is that, you know, while the tryouts for the Empire League, 
think Mark Mason. There's probably a good chance Mark Mason will be there. So I think yeah. it'll be interesting to see how many guys from the, the who start the year with the Empire State Grace and the Frontier League uh, have uh, how many players come from this trial. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably going to be a couple. Uh, I can't imagine there's going to be a lot, but there's probably going to be a couple. So yeah, you know, it's still the Empire League at the end of the day. So you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. Uh, but you know, it is something that is. The Maverick League or Mavericks oh, League. So smooth. Yeah. Never. I guarantee, I guarantee you the listeners didn't see that one coming. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they probably didn't expect to hear any Mavericks League news this week, to be quite honest with you, because, I mean, we don't really ever talk about it, but we've mentioned it like three or four times in the past month, which is honestly probably a record for this show mentioning the Mavericks League, um, mainly because I still wrote Maverick League down in my notes. I mean, that, that's exactly what I was just going to mention, Nick, that I did not. I was today years old when I found out that uh, that it's called the Mavericks League, not the Maverick League. I thought it was the Maverick League for a solid two years and have now just learned today that it is actually I'm just looking at their website and I was like, does that say Mavericks? I'm like, wait, the yeah. So it is. It's the Mavericks League, not Maver- the Maverick League, which I did not know until literally today. Yeah, like because you think just Maverick as like an adjective would describe the league, and so it would work better as opposed to going Mavericks, yeah. which would be a noun. So you know, like it, it just doesn't make sense. Plus, one of the teams is called the Mavericks, so you would think, oh, you're, you're not going to name the league and the team the same thing. But I guess that's not quite the case here. But uh, yeah, in case you have forgotten about the Mavericks League, we wouldn't blame you because, quite frankly, sometimes we do. Uh, there are four teams in this league, all based out of uh, Salem, Oregon. Uh, you got the Camceros, uh, Volcanoes, Senators, and Mavericks. Uh, those are the four teams, all play out the same thing, kind of like a Western version of the USPBL, all out of a defunct MILB team's operation. Uh, mainly just trying to keep pro ball in the area. So applaud them for that, even if uh, they're probably better off just joining the Pioneer League, but, you know, it is what they've decided to do. Uh, in any case, they announced their managers, uh, Aaron Johnson, Tony Torcato, uh, Corey Paul, and Scott Binder. Uh, those are all the guys. Two of them are brand new. One of them is just new to the league. Uh, the other ones have all been in the league for the past three years, but are have varying levels of manager experience. Um, we got it up on the website. Uh, their website that is linked to it will be in the show notes, which is on our website. And uh, yeah, essentially they all have some connection to the area. They all have some connection to each of these teams. We could go into detail on it, but quite frankly put, um, none of these guys are particularly well-known names. I guess Corey Paul is probably the closest to well-known. Um, but, uh, yeah. Those are your guys. Ooh, Mavericks League. Yeah. I, Mavericks League. Yeah. I don't think you have anything really... Do you have anything really to say? Because I don't have anything. So I, I guess just woo Mavericks League. <laughs> very ins- we're, we're very insightful when it comes to the Mavericks League, so... We are. It's just like, I wish I could talk about it more, but I really just don't have a strong opinion on any of this one way or the other. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that just about does it for, for us this week. Less than 40 minutes because it is a short week. But those will happen. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess we just do plugs and then we get out of here and we go on with the rest of our day. Uh, so, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. 
you can do so on Instagram at uh, Andy Ball Report or at ALPB underscore news. Website's got links to everything. I also got the tryout thing. There's some other stuff there too you can check out. That's IndieBallReport.com. And the show is wherever you can find it. Uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, you know, all that. So uh, rate, review if you can, and subscribe to the show. Anything left else left to uh, get to? Anything else? The to only add? thing, the only thing I want to add, and and I know Nick Farson didn't watch it because he was because he's still anti DH, but yes. um, the World Baseball Classic was incredible, uh, and I it was so much fun from the beginning of Pool A to the championship game, just an unbelievable game between Japan and the U.S. Uh, and just bravo to all the athletes, all the indie ballers as well who participated. Uh, there were lots of them that were that were in the in the WBC um, as well. And I, uh, it was just really cool to see. Is the atmospheres were unbelievable. The fans were were in, you know, unbelievable as well. And uh, you know, you could see the how hard those players were playing um for their countries and it was it was just really cool i can't wait for it to come back in in three years in 2026 and i think with uh how much of a success it was this year uh and i I think there's going to be more talent than ever um seen in the wbc where literally it becomes the norm to play as opposed uh not to play so very i was really entertained getting playoff intensity like baseball in uh in march was a dream and uh yeah it was it was really cool to watch and uh shohei shohei otani is an absolute freak show that's the only other thing i have left to add yeah see like i you're right i didn't really watch any of it from what i did i just I also just didn't have any motivation to watch. I just, quite frankly, didn't care. Like, it just doesn't appeal to me. So, like, it's great. I don't really typically care about best on best, like, world tournament thing. I care more about league play. So, like, I get the appeal of it. But at the same time, I was also thinking, like, when I saw, like, Altuve break his hand, Diaz mess up his knee, I was thinking, man, if I was a fan of either one of those teams, I'd be livid at this thing. I'd but they can get hurt in spring training games too, though. But see, I always see that as an argument. But that, but when I hear that, I go, "Yeah, but that's working for the team as opposed to doing some freelancing. That's major different." Well, it's they, 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 their salaries are still covered by insurance, so like the teams, like like the Mets, won't have to pay Diaz. I mean, like I don't really care about them having to pay. It's not coming out of my pocket. I care about my team being without their superstar player. Yeah, but why is that the WBC's fault? Because presumably, like in the ca- with the case of Diaz, I mean, like that, that's a freak thing. It could happen in spring training or not. In the case of like Altuve, he got hit with a pitch. Like presumably, if it was a spring training game, he would have been worked in differently, and that particular pitch would not have hit him. So I would put it I on him for that. Know. I mean, but. You you could face a guy who loses a fastball, like some minor leaguer who loses a fastball, uh, in in a spring training game too. I mean, you could, but it doesn't normally happen. And like people point to like all these other injuries that happen during spring training. It's like yeah, but at least I could say well, it was during the course of you know working with the team, doing something that was team related. Do I really care at the end of the day if Venezuela or the U.S. Or Puerto Rico, or any particular team wins this event? No, I do not. 
I, I do not care. I do not have anything invested in it. I have not cared about any of it. And it's an event that's existed since, what, 2006? So yeah. uh, I don't really particularly care about an event that, quite frankly, I'm older than. So, you know, it doesn't have that much appeal to me. Like, I get it for the players. I understand. And, like, people saying, oh, they're meaningless games. It's like, not particularly the players care about it. So that means it has meaning. Plus, there are some people that really like, you know, country on country, best on best. And for those people, yeah, like, it has meaning. Where it has no meaning is for people that are major league baseball fans. If you're just an MLB fan or you're just a fan of, like, league play, then, yeah, they're meaningless to you. And you're annoyed when one of your players gets hurt in non-league play or non-league related activities. So, like, that's just the position I would take. Like, I'm not going to call them meaningless because they're not. But, like, at the same time, they don't have any meaning to me. I just though, I, I, I hard disagree because I care about it and it, it's fun. Exactly. Like that's the thing. Like I get it, and like if you care about it, then great. But like for me, I just don't. You know, like I'm in the same boat when it comes to hockey and stuff. Like the minute I turned against the Olympics was when what was it Tavares or was it Stamkos that slammed into that post and then broke his leg? Oh, yeah. Which one? Which one was that? I forget because Stamkos also broke his leg like that. I can't remember if he did that with Tampa or with Team Canada though. I. I'm almost 100% positive it's Tavares, but I remember Stamkos having something similar around the same time. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah when Tavares did that in the end of the Islander season, hey, I was kind of happy because Islander season, but I liked Tavares as a player, so I didn't like seeing him go down like that. But when I saw that, I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. And also Hashik doing the same thing, playing with an injured groin, and then messing it up further, playing for uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, that wasn't great either, but you know, when I saw that, I was like, I have a player too that's kind of in the same boat that's playing for his national team, and if he gets hurt, uh, our season's just dead in the water. So, you know, maybe let's not do these things. But know? like, like no one says that for like European soccer with national teams. Well, you got to understand something. I just don't care about European soccer. No, I, no, I, I know that. Then the I'm culture's just... different. There's a much different uh, type of culture around that. Because for a lot of these European nations, that is kind of the national game. That is like the sport. And I mean, we well, could go back and forth on it. But, like baseball's not that anymore. What about hockey does? For Canada, yeah. And that's where you get allowed to push. But like Canada, for... Russia. Hey, I mean, like, I, I feel like Russia just. They kind of live on the, we know we're better than, even though they're not really, just because they had the run of the Soviet period. So, you know, I just, like, there's some push to it, but I just don't, you know, it's a different kind of dynamic. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. It's just like, like I said, I understand the appeal of it and I get why people like it. And I'm not going to say like, you know, it shouldn't exist because a lot of people like it. It's just for me personally. I I get very nervous and I cringe at it because like for me like I'll just use hockey for an example because that's the sport that I probably care the most about I could give a damn if the US wins a gold medal it'd be all right it'd be nice I'd be like oh great we want a thing but I care way more about the Rangers winning a cup I I oh, care God. I care infinitely more about that so if you're going to tell me that I have to roll the dice on losing, like, say, Adam Fox, a key component of the Ranger defense, 
and team as a whole so they can go win a gold medal as opposed to focus on winning a cup? Hell no. Take that risk out. Do not. I, I don't want him going. I don't want any of my players going. Same thing with the All-Star game. Like people have gotten hurt in that thing too before. That's why whenever they put the fan votes up, I vote in players of other teams. I never vote for any Rangers in that because I don't want them going. Plus, I don't think they really want to go either, but that's besides the point. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, 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 no, no one is saying that, that at least from my perspective too, that I care. I don't know. Like, I'll use the Red Sox for example. Like, I, I, like, I was honestly more cheering for the Red Sox players as well in that. So, uh, I don't know. That's how, that's how I view it at least. But, um, your point is well taken. But, uh, and I get it if you're like, you know, someone who, I can see that point if somebody doesn't really care about, you know, winning any sort of gold medal for their country. Yeah. Then it's a, it's, it's a, it is a risk. But then again, every player who is in one of these, like no one's forced to do it. Oh yeah. Like that's the thing, like for any player that's competing in it, it obviously means a lot to him. I mean, like just in the indie ball realm, like event Steenstall, I mean, he struck out of Tani and that's something he's always yeah. going to have. So like that alone will make it worthwhile for a lot of players, especially for guys that are playing on, you know, team Italy, team Czech Republic, team Australia, you know, these kinds of teams where you're not really getting a chock full of major leaguers, it means a lot to them. That is the very realistically the highlight of their baseball career because they get to play on a stage that's pretty damn close to major league talent because you have a lot of major league talent there. So, you know, for them, it's not meaningless. And I get it. I'm in the minority opinion on it. I, I totally get it and I understand it. But like for me, I just... I get real spooked about it, and I it's just I don't care about international play pretty much at all. So when we look at it from that lens, it's like, okay, I got an international tournament I don't care about that uses players versus league play that I care about heavily, and they're using my guys, and injuries happen. It's like, okay, I just hope nobody gets hurt. Like, that's kind of my thing. And then when you see, like, okay, they truly care, there's two ways of looking at it. One, like, oh, this is great baseball, which it is. And the other way of, oh, God, they're going to get hurt doing this. And then there goes the World Series bid. I, I get it. I, I get it. I just, like, I, I, I'm obliged like, to watch, like, as well as, like, a general baseball fan for uh, as more as well like as well as on top of the Red Sox. and certainly you're certainly there's certain guys who probably shouldn't go you know yeah. like think of the should not pitch in this thing uh like oh, uh, no, i pitched for texas now we should go pitching it well you, you get you know what i'm saying i know exactly what you're saying yeah because he's injury prone should not pitch in this thing yeah and i know that happens to be a red Sox, but yeah. uh but i i think yeah i, I think i'm the best on best stuff was was very just very fun from from my perspective and mm. yeah you're certainly rooting for don't don't nobody get hurt nobody get hurt that that is a part of it as well uh but i think the the pros outweigh the cons from what i've seen mm. which i just had an interesting thought because i think it could work and i think there's going to be at least one uh indie ball league i guess that's going to take this and run with it and this actually kind of fits the original point of this which is just anything we forgot we got to toss in which is do you think one league either this year or next year or they're going to try and make it a thing going forward is going to go for a like north america or team usa versus the world type gimmick at their all-star game that's a good question. Because I remember the NHL doing this in the early aughts, where they have like Team North America 
versus Team World. And I feel like you could do that in indie ball. It's a little bit tougher because there's a lot more American players as opposed to, say, uh, uh, Latin players or international players as a whole. It's a bit tougher, but there's still plenty on both fronts where you could put together a very competitive team on each side. Now, a matter of getting them to where we, they're playing and the you know logistics of it, that's another story entirely. But I feel like it's a lot easier of a sell. You know, in a way, if we're going to do like kind of a gimmicky thing, it's probably the easiest of them to sell. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. I, I don't, to me, the reason why I would say no at the moment is I just looking at, uh, I, I don't know if they would a- be able to get like teams that make sense on both sides because there are a lot more American players in independent league baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. I, I think I don't know if the logistics would allow for it now, but I think if if you wanted to take the, take all of that out and assume that okay, the 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 idea of we're going to have two even rosters is not a problem, yeah. then yeah, I would do it. But I don't know a hundred percent. I guess as far as would they be able to pull it off that like that? So I, I don't know. You know, I just had like probably one of my dumbest harebrained schemes and this is why we do this segment by the way because every once in a while we get a good idea that pops up in it and this is one that i think is a stupid idea but i think it's fun and interesting so i'm gonna say it anyway which is what if and i know this is gonna sound bad but you know they normally do the two days for the things they do with like their skills competition at least in the uh well i guess both kind of do it with home run derbies and stuff but they do that day one and they do the actual game day two right yeah i think yeah but what my suggestion here is you kind of do it like how the NHL's done their kind of mini all-star tournament where we reduce the size of the rosters down to say like, I don't know, uh, go 10 or 11 batters and go about four or five pitchers on it. So we say make them about 15 man teams and we go with three teams of it. You go one international team, one US East and one US West. So you could either go with players that are from the eastern part of the country or from the western part of the country or their teams more eastern based versus western based whichever doesn't really matter and they play a series of like mini tournament games say a five or six inning game keep it quick keep it moving you know something like that and they play each other you know and basically you have a round robin stage you use total runs or run differential as a tiebreaker so that way we don't have to worry about you know extra innings or anything like that or you could send it to a home run derby or something like that for a tiebreaker figure it out however you want to do it and then have a full nine inning game between the two remaining teams you know so let's say u.s east and international or the top two teams have them play a full nine inning game the following day and have that be your all-star event that's interesting yeah because if you if you can fill those teams with a somewhat evenly i'm just worried about like i don't know like atlantic leaguers is like more of them are on the east coast yeah so that's i mean if you can ensure if you can ensure the teams are going to be even i'm all for that yeah because like that's the thing because i think it's an interesting proposal because it gives something else for that event because you figure this, you want to you want to have people there, but you don't want it to run on too long. So if you figure you can get, say, a five inning game 
with all the current rules and keep the clock moving and stuff like that. I mean, you can even steal from Banana Ball, which has an actual clock on the game. You could just toss, like, say, uh, an hour or a 90-minute clock on it and just have them play like that and, uh, you know, make it keep running. So even if you want to say, like, an hour per game, what's it going to wind up being? Each team has to play each other, so one, two, three... What is that going to wind up being about? Uh, it's not going to be a nine-hour thing, right? If they each have to... All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe you got to figure out a way for it to be kind of quicker. So that's obviously the downside with it. It doesn't work as well in as opposed to in a clock sports. I mean, maybe even drop it down to three innings and try to put something together like that. I mean, like figuring it out is a bit difficult, but if you can keep it to, say, about three hours... You could either nix the skills competition or make that part of something else and then have an event the following day. And I think it's a bit different, a bit interesting, and maybe something you could sell a little bit better. So I, I just think it's an interesting thing. I do agree with the concern of make sure they're even, but I feel like there's a way you can manage to make it even. You know, if, especially if you're going with states guys are from. Like, yeah, you got to be concerned about the Florida people, but there's going to be plenty of guys from like California and the Midwest. Just kind of get creative with the line as to where it is. Or, I mean, you could even just do it even simpler and go like team north and team south. And then the town's probably a little bit more evenly distributed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then if you did it north south, that'd be, that'd be definitely more evenly distributed. Well, Actually, I don't know. It'd probably be south, southern, at, southern dominant, but I, mean, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's food for thought. Yeah. If you really want to get crazy with it, you could even just like have two captains, one that's from a firmly different area than the other, and let them kind of draft states. Now that's kind of or really. You could, or you could you could do a fantasy draft. Fantasy draft could work too. Yeah. Honestly, the fantasy draft may not be bad, especially if it's one of those locations which nobody wants to go to or can get to. That way, kind of, it kind of helps out a little bit more. But yeah, my whole thought process with the three teams was just it's a little bit easier because you don't have to fill out a full like roster of players. You just need about thirty six guys as opposed to you know forty or forty five or forty eight guys. You know, you can go ahead and get away with having like. 10, 12 guys if you really wanted to. But. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's just an idea I thought of. So I think that just about does it for us this week. You got some extra content at the very end. So those that stuck around, you got to hear some harebrained schemes. So that's good for you. And uh, hopefully next time we'll have uh, we'll have some more of those for you. But until then, don't forget to play ball.